Welcome, welcome. This is Shakisha and the White Boy. I am the White Boy, Ryan Dinger, and I've got tickets for a tennis tournament later today, so we've got to get through this episode. I am here, joined by my stellar co-host, New York City's own Shakisha Williams. Full disclosure, I don't have tickets for a tennis tournament. I just felt like that was a very white thing. You know, have have you ever seen tennis in person? I have not. I'm I'm living for that. Like I really yeah. want to go to Queens. I never have either. The open, yeah. Maybe we should do a live show from the U.S. Open. You think they would? That would be in? amazing. We could get like the Williams sisters. That'd be pretty dope, right? Like it's funny because like I think of tennis as a very like I am from Connecticut type sport. Like you know. Uh, like the Newport, Connecticut crowd goes and plays tennis with like sweaters and stuff. But the two, well, what the greatest tennis player ever and two of the greatest ever are Venus and Serena, of course, who are, uh, I don't know if you know this, Shakisha, they are not white. So they are not uh, white. Maybe, and maybe Naomi my, Osaka it's my issue. is not white. Who's not? Naomi Osaka is not white. Oh, yeah, true. Good point. Yeah. So on the women's side, who's the best male tennis? Is it Roger Federer? I think maybe that is. is I don't it know. Still? I maybe. Is he like a grillion years old at this point? I'm just thinking of like all time. Like if you look at their career, you know, like I don't know who's number so one. He's out, right he now. outdid McEnroe at this point. I think that. So <laughs> I did not intend to have a conversation about. Right, tennis, I wasn't prepared. I'm ready. ready. Let's do it. Uh, I actually have no idea. I I feel like I've heard. You know, I you you know I'm a sports fan. I feel like I've heard people say. Roger Federer is the greatest of all time. You know, who I was thinking of was Andre Agassi, who always comes to mind. Oh. But I don't think that he's like one of, you know, the greatest ever, but he did have great commercials in the 90s. Like, remember, yes. he was, like when you think of the 90s, if you're really like if you really lived in the 90s and you were part of it, you remember Andre Agassi Nikon commercials and just how absurd they were like. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a strange like penny, time. From the Penny Hardaway commercials. Oh, the Penny Hardaway commercials. Bo, like <laughs> Bo knows and Michael Jordan. Oh my and, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, they were on one. Okay, the, so ranked by Google, you've oh, got go. Roger Federer. Okay. Novak Djokovic. I don't even know Raphael who that is. Nadal. Nadal. Peter okay. Sampras. Pete Sampras, I forgot about him. I forgot about Pete and back in the day he was fine. Rod Laver, Laver. No idea. Bjorn Borg and nope. Andre Agassi. That's your top six. So seven. not even McEnroe, McEnroe listed. Wow. McEnroe's after Agassi. Okay. But I wanted to keep it short. All right. We have so much to dig into. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we do. And tennis. Not the WTF. The I'm going to play WTF was, right here. Tennis was not on <laughs> the agenda, but we're doing it, whatever. Uh, how are you? We're actually, we're doing the episode today on the 20th anniversary of September 11th, um, which, you know, I, I don't know what to say about it anymore. I've got a lot of feelings. Uh, I feel like my feelings could best be summed up as like September, what happened on September 11th was horrible and atrocious, but I actually feel like the nation's response to September 11th is much more horrible and atrocious than the event itself. So I'm kind of conflicted on the on on how to feel about it. But I always like asking the question. I know you are a native New Yorker and we're living in the city at the time. 
Do you have any memories from from that day or anything that stands there out to you? are those days that you will never forget. I don't even remember the birth of my children as completely of a memory wow. as I do 9-11. Yeah. Um, it was probably, I want to say closer to like 9.30ish and we were on our way out the door. I was heading to work mm -hmm. and there was like a smoke coming from the, you know, and like, uh, I think it was at that time, Matt Lauer was still on the Today Show. Yeah. And they were like, oh, there was, seems to be like a plane ran into the, and because of the way the camera was set up, I just thought it was something weird that had happened. And literally, like we're watching it, watching it, watching everything go on. Literally, as you're watching them talk about it, the second plane flew oh, wow. into the building. And you're like, oh, that yeah. wasn't a mistake. And yeah, right. what I do remember fondly is the outside of the pain that I the the emotional stuff for all the people who either didn't make it out or people who were looking for their family was immediately how New Yorkers kind of came together. Yeah. That was such a great three or four days mm -hmm. um, because you felt like other people were feeling for other people yeah. and how ultimately humans can be in times of need and tragedy. Mm-hmm. That didn't last long, but no, it didn't, you know, but I, I do remember, I know several people who knew immediate, like had in, like in relationships with folks who are no longer with us. Yeah. Um, and I, it, it's, it's it, like, I don't do what I used to do. Like I used to every year look at the, uh, what do you call it? Like when they read the names, Mm -hmm. um, I would sit through it and watch the families and, and stuff, but I don't do that anymore. Um, not because I don't remember, but because, you know, we, we move on. Yeah. Life continues. Um, never forget, but we also, you know, live and, and there have been so many other tragedies since then. So many other things. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that is kind of what is, uncomfortable for me about it is that there have been other, I mean, there was a point during COVID where we're, where 9-11 was occurring every day. You know, we were having 3000 people die from the disease every single day. And there was never that response the way there was after 9-11. So like to your, to your point about how the nation came together and stuff, that was all very nice, but you know, I was going to ask you, do, do you feel like that was more of a New York thing? Because where I'm from, you know, I grew up in South Jersey, as you know, and uh, so I had a, a, a schoolmate, a kid whose father was killed in the towers. That So I did know someone who was personally affected, but I felt like outside of New York, there was very much a uh, quick turn toward profiling Muslims and, and sort of, uh, you know, holding them accountable or wanting to take out your people wanting to take out their frustrations on them. And I remember actually the day of 9-11, literally on the day of going home on the bus and we had a, a, a kid who was Muslim and on our bus and he gets off and a girl who I go to school with goes, is he a terrorist? Like literally asked me like, is he a terrorist? And I was like, what? No, like he's, he's a person. Like, like I, do you even know what a terrorist is? What, what is that question? Like, uh, so I don't know. I think the nation loves to look back in general and be like, 
we all came together. We were all one. For hot, for like a quick second, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't really the case in a lot of places, you know? So, um, and and yeah, I just, I'm super conflicted about it, like I said, because I do think that the nation's it response- Open up the door for people's prejudices and, 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 and racist-ass tendencies to come to the forefront. Um, yeah. But, you know- and, you know, people say never forget and all that stuff. And, like, I know you as a New Yorker, like, you live true to that. But I was thinking this morning about the famous story now, Donald Trump, he who shall not be named. Excuse me. We haven't had to mention him on the show in a while. It's been very nice. Hasn't it? <laughs> he who shall not be named gave an interview on CNN that morning where he bragged about how his building was now the tallest in downtown Manhattan. And we elected that guy president. So how can you be like, we're never going to forget. You you already forgot. You voted for him. You forgot. You, yeah. you let it go. So yeah. it's like, you know, I just think it's uh, disingenuous in a lot of ways, the way people use 9-11 as like, a, I love my country and I'm this and that and rah, rah, rah. And you're like, yeah, but like. I mean, I've seen it happen. Really they, read, the they read, they read um, redesign America's relationship with Martin Luther King. They yeah. hated Martin Luther King when yeah. he was alive. Hated yep. him mm-hmm. when he was alive. And then all of a sudden, you know, because of the speeches that he talked about peace or he talked about, you know, coming together mm-hmm. and lauded that as his, who he was. And he wasn't. He was an imperfect human being with yeah. a righteous cause. He wanted people to have rights. And at the bottom, at the, at the heart of who he was, he got on a lot of people's nerves because he was asking for change mm-hmm. and people now like you know we got a whole holiday they didn't even want to give him a holiday Ar- yeah. was it arkansas or um what's the other one arizona um one of those is either arkansas or arizona forgive me both for whoever i'm i'm putting it on but didn't want to give him the holiday like they were like holdouts like yeah, nah, that that's what we passed. like so we have a tendency to rewrite history which is why it's so important for the truth tellers to keep saying the truth, keep reminding people so that we don't keep repeating it. Unfortunately we do, because we like to forget. We like- So we never forget. (laughs) All right, I'm gonna gonna close it. Can't get much worse than than that. We just hit rock bottom on the conversation. So uh, like is, is this our WTF? Like that's not our WTF. No, no. We got more 9-11 coming up on WTF. In fact, uh, I think it's gonna be a good one. Before we get to that, I did want to let the listeners know we've got an excellent episode on tap for you today. We're going to be delving into the insidiousness of the patriarchy by looking at things that seem like nice traditions on the surface, but that are actually rooted in misogyny. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good conversation. We've got a nice list coming up and uh, we'll we'll get to it soon. But since we're already on the 9-11 vibes, let's do it. It's time for WTF. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck, Richard? What the fuck? WTF, as I said on the lead in, we're going with the 9-11 vibes. This is a last minute pivot because I actually had a completely different story that I had pitched for WTF for this week. And uh, I saw a headline this morning and I knew we just had to talk about it. I I said to you on the pre-show, we can do five minutes on this easily. So the headline is a story that was published in The Hill yesterday. It's an opinion piece by Jim Jones. And I have not actually read the story as I mentioned to you before, Shakisha. I only wanna talk about the headline. I have no interest in what is, is beyond the headline. And I know that 
that's a problem in our culture in general. Uh, you, you should try to read beyond headlines and actually get the whole story. But this is an opinion piece, so I'm making the exception here. I only want to talk about the headline. And the headline today, yesterday it was published, September 10th, 2021, The Hill, a team of editors and publishers all thought that it was suitable to publish a story with the headline that reads, The Real Winners and One Big Loser of 9-11. I don't know, I don't know what to do with that. Well, like, I'll, I'll start here. The uh, BuzzFeed style, like, listicle yeah. format. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe we should leave that on the side when we're doing analysis, 20-year retrospective of the history of the United States after 9-11. I don't really think we should be looking at calling people the big winners in an event that killed 3,000 people. Just my take, I do have a journalism background. I think if I were the editor, I probably would have said, mm, I think maybe we should uh, phrase this differently, at least. What, what are your thoughts when you see a headline like that, Jakesha? Um, so for me, I think that 9-11 was the, the day that sparked, it is this generation's Pearl Harbor in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. Um, we've been at war with the Middle East since for over 20 years now, based on 9-11. I mean, we were already in the Middle East for other things. Oh, yeah. Let's just another reason. See how now I'm doing it. Now I'm rewriting history. Like we weren't already <laughs> over there. Yeah. My bad, y'all. My Early bad. George H.W. got us there. Yeah. But, you know, another war. A separate war that wasn't about the war that we were already warring about. A new, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was kind of like uh, you know a movie franchise, like and and the, the Afghanistan invasion was like you know the next yeah. movie in in the franchise. You know, you can right. like started in the eighties with Reagan funding the Taliban against Afghanistan, and yeah. then the plot twist is the Taliban turns on on the United States, and you know now we're in that those two are battling. So yeah, yes, so, sorry. In full disclosure, when you showed it to me, I do a thing, and I even do this in my fiction reading. I, I'm sorry, y'all, but it's what I do when I got get my damn brown. I read the first two chapters and I read the last, and then yeah. I see if I want to even bother with everything in the middle. <laughs> That's who okay. I am. Um, so I read the the first paragraph, and it was mostly just info about you know, where we are today and Taliban, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And the last was his his closing remark, if you will, was basically that Osama bin Laden was the winner because at the end of the day, everything that he wanted yeah. actually ended up happening anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, everything that he, he sparked happened anyway. And that, you know, America's not, is, is losing because now we're in a war yeah. Um, having, you know, thousands upon thousands of so. So when we think about 9-11 as the, the, the event, yes, 3,000 people died. But when we think about everything that happened after that, mm -hmm. um, even been, like just everything, everything that has happened as a result of our war in the Middle East, America has been unfortunately lost in a lot of ways uh, yeah, out lost. Now, I, it's funny you, you out now and even still yeah. i'm just like i'm like what's the angle here like even now uh -huh. in my brain i'm like 
So what foil have we found someplace yeah. that we're not talking about? And or are we just setting up stakes in like a provenance outside and we're waiting to do something? I'm 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 really trying to find what the angle is. Like totally justified. Totally justified because the idea that a president would suddenly like stand up to the military industrial complex, which has gotten like unbelievably rich off of the oh 20 year war in yeah. Afghanistan. Like it, it's, it's hard to believe like you're, you're 100% right. Like, and I am the same. I'm skeptical. I'm like, okay, they ended the war in Afghanistan. So what's next? Like, where are we? What, is it Iran now? Like, is it time for that showdown? Because like you said, we've been involved in this shit since the eighties. It doesn't like if it truly is a pull out, a pull out. If it truly is the United States <laughs> has, has you know, given up the ghost and, and has removed all the troops from Afghanistan, and we don't have any intention of getting involved in that region anymore, I will applaud Joe Biden. I, I like. I think that that would be probably his best move as president, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. it's true, if it's true. Um, but you know, and <laughs> it's it's funny because like. You look at all the social woes here, all the issues, you see figures like the United States spent $300 million a day in Afghanistan for 20 years, 20 but years. can't have universal health care. We can't afford that. And it's like, there's not even any conversation about like 9-11 made it so like you cannot even question the right. defense spending and the things that the military does. And if you do, you're a communist and anti-American. And you better get the fuck out of here because like, this is America, baby. And you better get in line. So it's like- Human rights were violated. The the Patriot Act was inducted. Like there were so many crazy things that, and and unless, okay. So again, I have to be a realist and say, Cointelpro preceded the Patriot Act. Mm -hmm. We want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. But so it's not, so we've used the playbook before. We've yeah. done it before. We just rename, we repurpose it. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything that you said is correct. Are we repurposing? Like, are we saying we're leaving so that if we are, so if that there's any conflict, we're then, um, it's okay for us to do whatever we have to do. So yeah. we're going to leave, set, let, leave and let them settle it. But are we really, so so truth be told, if the headline might be a little catchy, eye grabbing, but his last his last uh, paragraph fair is spot on. That's totally fair. And uh, as as I said, I admitted uh, I did not read the story because I was so put off by the headline. That so like I think then the lesson is we 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 shouldn't be uh, like clicky clickbait headlines and stuff like that's a big part of the problem. Like and. And it, it relates to all these other things that we're talking about, feeds into all these other things that we're talking about. Yeah. And uh, I just think when you talk about not only 3,000 people dead on 9-11, but the millions of deaths that have occurred in the Middle East since then, both American soldiers and civilians there, I, I, ha- I think having a headline with that type of levity, like I said, it, it felt like a BuzzFeed listicle headline just not appropriate to me, you know? Yeah. And, and so maybe the story itself and, and to Jim Jones's credit, uh, I will say it, it turns out was a, was a good piece, at least ended on a good note for you, but you know, the editors at the Hill and stuff, what the fuck? Like it, it's gotta be better than that. And, and I just want to share, we're, we're going to end soon, but I, I just want to share 
I saw a screenshot of this and I had to go Google to see if it was real. I could not believe, like I only saw the headline and screenshot and that's what sent me on this whole wormhole. I had to be like, is this actually, and Google, and there it is, September 10th, 2021. I couldn't believe it. The Hill. It's a real, she's a real. She's a real. And uh, <laughs> she's pretty fucked up. Let's just say that. What? Fuck. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck, Richard? What the fuck? Oh, man. WTF. So I think that was enough 9-11 talk. I, I think we uh, served the event well. Uh, and let, let's move on now to the main segment, which is not going to have anything to do with 9-11. Although, you know, the way our conversations go, maybe it'll come up again. I don't know. I don't know. You know, we, we sometimes tend to find our own way on these things. But I'm excited because what we're talking about today is actually a topic idea that you had, Shakisha, when we were planning season two. And, you know, as I said on the intro, we're looking at things that may on the surface seem harmless or even quaint or even nice, you know, mm-hmm. in some instances, but that are actually rooted in the bedrock of patriarchy upon which our entire society is built. So what we've done is we've put together a list here of, of certain traditions or, you know, customs that occur. Uh, I don't know if you call them traditions and customs, but, you know, as a catch-all, let's use that phrase. And we're going to go over them one by one and sort of just react but before we do that, I, I actually just wanted to ask you, Shakisha, what was the inspiration for this episode? How did you come up with the idea? Um, you know, what inspired you to take us on this little journey? So there are so many things, um, including, well, well, we'll get, we'll dive in. But what I've always wondered when it comes to tradition versus Westernism versus sexism versus misogyny. Um, Mm -hmm. where did it all lie? So is it, you know, is it, you know, traditional about wearing a white dress on your wedding day or is it, you know, something more sinister or, you know, um, I often feel like in, in terms of policy, when it comes to looking at a lot of areas, race, sex, uh, gender roles, we often are, if we put up a fight or if we say anything that's indifferent to what people believe, you know, we're, we're talking against family values. We're, we're, we're bucking against tradition. Um, That's what the problem is. Everyone wants the newfangled. And I don't know if it's a newfangled idea to want to improve on something. And I think looking at something and saying, is there room to improve is honestly a talk we should have at least every hundred years. At least technology. Years. <laughs> at least every one hundred years. Um, at a minimum. At a minimum. Start of every century. Let's let's and run say, down the list. I say every century because I mean it could be every fifty years, right? But yeah. even if we evaluate something over a century, that's a lot of advancement in technology. In totally. you know how many humans are now on the planet that gives us time to really look at and see a trajectory over what's and we don't do that we don't do that with education we don't yeah. do that with a lot of things so maybe it's time to look at some traditions and say hmm, are these still working for us or are we just you know you know what I'm, I'm gonna end with this there's this uh little I don't even know if it's like a little allegory or whatever but a woman. She's making a ham and she cuts the ham in half. 
And her daughter asks her, well, why do you do that? And she said, I don't know. My mom always did it. Mm-hmm. She says, go ask grandma. The grandmother said the same thing. I don't know. My, my mother always did it. So she go, goes and asks the great-grandmother. And the great-grandmother said, well, my pot was really small. So I always had to like mm. cut, put it, cut it in half yeah. in order to you know fit the pot that I had. So there was no reason for it. It was just a part of a tradition that they thought meant something much bigger. Um, so I, I wonder if a lot of times are we just cutting the ham, not knowing what the story is behind. I love it. I love it. Let's examine some hams, shall we? <laughs> Get the hams. Get the hams in here. Let's go. Get the hams. You had mentioned before uh, weddings, and that is a uh, the white dress at weddings. And that is a great place to start because the first one on our list is having the father give the bride away at the wedding. And actually, in my research, weddings in general are rooted in this sort of misogynistic undertone that people Tell don't us really more. think Tell about. Us so more. like, you know, I had found just stuff I had not thought about the bride being expected to take the husband's name come, you know, that was one thing that came up or uh, the removing of the garter with the teeth, which uh, that's an old tradition. I uh, <laughs> let's start there. Have you ever actually witnessed someone do that? Only in movies. I have seen it at a real wedding when I was about seven, maybe. My uncle and uh, my aunt. And I have vivid images of it in my head still. 28 years later, it was quite scarring. And (laughs) it seemed wrong to me then, even as a seven-year-old, for someone to be doing that in front of a giant crowd. And so the the (laughs) misogynistic slant there is the sexualization of women, you know, that like they're only there to be, uh, you know, objects of, of men's sexual desire and all of that. So it, it comes from that place. But um, the main one that I had mentioned was having the father give the bride away at the wedding. Now, that actually seems like a pretty nice tradition to me on the surface, right? And, and I think it still can be, but it is rooted in, uh, you know, it, it harkens back to the time when fathers gave away their brides and and there was a dowry that had to be paid i mean you know gave away their daughters i should say to be to be brides and there was a doubt you know you get two goats and a half acre of land or whatever like Mm. it sounds funny to to say it out loud now but that was a real thing and Mm. that's actually where that tradition came from the father giving away the bride so uh yeah i don't know i just like weddings in general western weddings anyway they they seem to have a lot of these undertones I think uh, from a standpoint of women at a certain point not ha- ha- being able to be landowners. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. I mean, a lot of it stems from so- societal reasons. So again, if you're a married, if you're an unmarried woman, I think at one point in this country, you were unable to own property. So you had to have either a husband or a male relative in order to make transactional agreements or anything like that. Not to say that there weren't women who had figured out how to get around that and still allow, you know, a nephew or something to look after them, their, their things. But I think ultimately in certain areas of the country, you could not own land if you were a woman. So, um, and so now that doesn't even, you know, women can vote, women can, pay has to pay taxes because FICA comes first before my kids. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, so some of those traditions, we can look at them. Now, anybody can make an argument for tradition, but I mean, I'm sorry, I have to bring it up. I know I'm going, I'm off-roading a little bit, but we're talking tradition. You know, there are are, uh, Confederate statues that still lie in state (laughs) in, in a lot of Southern, you know, counties and states mm-hmm. is that still viable like is that still a real you know like can we look at that and see what's going on and I would say the same for some of the traditions I don't think for me like if my daughter asked her father to walk her down the aisle you know as I, I would if if I'm being if I'm being a romantic it's like your father co-signing yeah yeah you know it's like your father saying I'm good with this guy you know publicly yeah. So it really is a lot of ceremony that comes with weddings. People make mm-hmm. a lot of big deal out of weddings, not a lot about the marriage. Yeah. But for the wedding purpose, a father walking his, his daughter is just saying, no, I trust this guy with my daughter. Yeah, yeah. Even and if- I think I so so, so like yeah. I think up front we should say I think we agree. You know, we both are consider ourselves feminists. And yeah. I think the goal of fem- the ultimate goal of feminism is that a woman should be able to do what she wants. Yeah. You know, whatever she she feels is good. So if a woman wanted to be walked down the aisle by her father, that that should be fine. But having the conversation about like the tradition, I think it's still important just to sort of show what a lot of our culture has been built on, you know, because to root out misogyny and racism and all these other things you're talking about, you need to first sort of recognize them. And that doesn't mean you need to completely do away with these traditions. But and I was thinking as we were talking, like, you know, my my younger sister, she got married after my father had passed away. And so that was an experience she didn't get to have. And I'm sure that that was hard for her, you know, because she wanted to have that moment with our dad and, and she wasn't able to. So, yeah, I, it's not to say, like, if you do these things, you're a part of the problem. I don't think that that's right. really the goal. No, it's no, more no, no, just no. like, you know, these let, let's think about some of this stuff and, and ask the question. Let's examine the hands. Shall we? Can we examine the hands I just want to look at the hams. So I was curious, did, uh, is Williams Dwayne's last name or is that your... Uh... Well, I'm Dennis Williams officially. Oh, that's right. That's right. You are. I didn't know that. Oh, so I'm a hyphen. A hyphen. Well, I'm not even a hyphen. People think Dennis is my middle name because I didn't want to hyphenate. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so true, though. I didn't know that. Fair <laughs> enough. Right. Um, but, I, but I will also say for those people who don't have, because, you know, we've learned that family is a larger element so what if you don't have a traditional home what if you got two moms or two dads or what if your grandmother raised you or with your aunt you know how does that all play out so yeah Yeah. it should it shouldn't hold any less weight ceremonial wise if it's not what tradition dictates absolutely I think uh for my younger sister just going back to the example again just because it's one that I have my mom walked her down the aisle and it was lovely and I did the first dance with her you know the first half of the daddy daughter dance was me and her slow dancing and then uh it kicked into a dance song and the whole family came out so it was like we made our own thing you know and but so yeah I I think if, if it's something that is important to you again it's not about saying don't do it it's more looking at where these things are rooted so the next one i one uh, one other thing on that topic one other thing on that topic um and we have to also understand that a lot of marriage culture here in america is based on white specific class driven ideals so i think 
that has to be taken into account as well. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. Okay, so the next one, and I do want to give a shout out to my partner, Caitlin, who did help with this list. Uh, I, uh, she is a uh, very um, enthusiastic feminist and uh, outspoken, and I knew she would be a good resource for this. Uh, She's so, so smart. And she is. She is very smart. So she actually helped with uh, coming up with some of the items that we have on this list. And this one was one of hers. This has been a pet peeve of hers for as long as I've known her, and I'm sure much longer. <laughs> Women being expected to carry purses. And her big thing is she cannot stand that women's clothing does not have pockets. What is that about? Your your thoughts. Well, what I will. Okay. 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 Women expected. Now I'm a I'm a big pocketbook girl. You are. But I I'm a huge pocketbook lady. But I will also say I love a good event dress with pockets on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, again, the evaluation of where we are. Um, I think the last time we've had a movement like what I see now, body positivity, um, you know, uh, really examining racism and deconstruction was probably when I was a baby in the 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, like seeing that kind of coming back 30, 40 years later feels really good. And the examination of what a woman should or shouldn't be, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell Kate this, like tell her for me, I'm gonna design a couple of shirts and jackets and some skirts. So, you know, because I need to make money. So uh, tell her, okay. don't worry about it. I heard her plea and I'm on it. I I'm on- I love that you mentioned this because I have a note here that relates. We're always on the same wavelength. So uh, I remember five years ago, maybe it was like five, six years ago, let's say there was a Kickstarter that went viral, was huge about uh, this dress that came with pockets for women. And it had some other features and it came in a bunch of different colors and they, they did the Kickstarter for the funding. And a lot of women I remember were excited, Caitlin included, and the Kickstarter was funded. And then it turned out that the women who had the idea just could not handle the manufacturing. Like they just were not expecting Ooh. the demand that there was. Like it was such, it was an idea that resonated so much that they were like crushed mm. with people donating and they never actually delivered the product because serious? they just could not, they could not get it going. And I think. I may be misremembering the details and I'm not going to mention who it was, but I'm sure there are people out there listening right now, women out there listening who probably donated to this Kickstarter and remember it. And uh, I, I just, I, I think, you know, they didn't even return the money if I recall correctly. I, what? I think I'm not, and I, again, I'm not mentioning any names. I'm not throwing anyone yeah. under the bus, but that is my recollection. But I remember seeing this Kickstarter go viral. Caitlin was into it and a bunch of people who I'm friends with on Facebook were sharing it like it really took off and so clearly there is a market for this type of product and you know SATWB I'm not above merchandising like if that's what we need to do let's let's work with a designer let's get it going and and give I mean to be honest with you if there were no problems there would be no podcast so I'm cool with talking about the problems let's do it but I'm also a solution driven person and yeah. some things we don't have to wait for that to be like 
What right. is that? What does that look like? How does how, what how is that in the winter? Because I do often go like men don't have to do the messenger bag. Like some men do, some men do the mm-hmm. backpack. Yeah. Some men do the messenger bag. I've even in New York seen the guys with the you know with the recyclable totes because you know <laughs> yeah. New York and Trader Joe's. I do a tote bag. But see, so yeah. like, but you know they don't. I don't see a lot of men bugging out. They just go ahead and find a pair of pants with a million. You know, combat. Pockets. Yeah, I mean, men's clothes, uh, pockets everywhere. There's like 15 pockets on this shirt I'm wearing right now. I just got Are you serious? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, wait, show me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just like, start pulling out things everywhere. Like, just tons of shit. Okay. But yeah, no, let's get into it. Let's see what we can do. Let's I, talk. I love it. it. I love it. We're, we're idea people. And why? <laughs> you're so right. Like, if, if it's such an issue to not have dresses with pockets be be the change that you want to see in the world right so yeah yeah, let's let's make it happen i love it i love the idea okay the next one on our list here men always pay being expected to pay on the first date or you know having the husband as the main wage earner in the household so i remember i think it was our last episode you mentioned about how you're a big proponent of always having the man pay on the first date so uh, this was one that I, in my research, came up. People listed as, you know, just sort of. Uh, there's an expectation with that that men should earn more money than women and be the provider and all that. So, but you said on our last episode that you're a big fan of the man paying for. Himself. I let me you know, okay explain yourself. Let me let me <laughs> okay. So, I am the woman who is very. Like in in my relationship, Dwayne has paid, I have paid. But when we were first dating, it was all him, vacations, everything. And I'm not talking like two years in, but I'm talking about like our first year, anything major that went on. I'm not saying I never paid for anything, but I, I'm old school that way. Like I believe in that, mainly from a standpoint of I like to be treated well. Mm. Um, and I, and I, I know my kindness and I know who I am. So I want to see that from you. Now I'm not saying that we dated in the nineties. So it was way different. It was yeah. way different. I think a lot of women now. Penny oh, Hardaway was doing TV commercials with puppets in the night. I mean, <laughs> you can't even imagine what it was like. With the Chris Rock voice. Exactly. <laughs> with the Chris Rock voice. Exactly. <laughs> Little pity and the Chris Rock voice. But yeah, like I, um. I don't know, like now, what I, I would still, I would still, even if, yeah. you know, God forbid, he and I are not together, I would still expect okay. the, uh, when I go out, if you taking me out, you claim you taking me out, I expect that to be taken care of. Yeah, Only I think- because I expect from myself the best. Sure. I'm also very sharing and very giving in my relationships and, and I'm very nurturing. Yeah. Um, so I want to see if you're bringing any of that to the table and if it's financially, then great. I also believe that partnership is 50, 50. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Partnership is a 100, 100. Mm. Right. So even when, you know, sometimes family members die, sometimes family members get sick. Sometimes we change our bodies change our Minds change, you know, I can ask you and you could probably say and remember several times Caitlin became a different person. Yeah. Whether it was her goals, her dreams, 
what what she focused on, what she wanted to be about. Um, and you have to be there for the person throughout all of that. Mm-hmm. So for me, giving that, if you got to pay for a meal when we're first dating, then and you got a problem with that, then we don't really need to be. I, I find now um, even more so men are and I, I go into rooms on Clubhouse. I see stuff on YouTube and single women are having a problem, particularly black women are talking about men who don't want who want to have casual sex. Yeah. But without any of the stuff like buying me dinner or, you know, you want it to be transactional on your terms, but not necessarily on mine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, love isn't necessarily love is is giving, not transactional. But if I'm getting to know you, we both got to show up, show our best. And if your best is like, well, you got this right, then we got a problem. Let me get your take on on this. So what do you think about the idea that whoever initiates the date should be the person to pay? Because I've heard people make this argument, you know, like you said, it's a different time now. Women are more empowered to take the first step and ask a man out. In that situation, if a woman were asking a man out, do you think then that the woman should be the one to pay? I'm just curious. I don't think there's a right answer. I think maybe. Mm -hmm. I I think maybe. Like, because, you know, you never know. Like, if you're saying, listen, I, I like let's do a movie and a quick dinner. I got you. Yeah. I don't think it's anything wrong with that. Like okay. I said, overall, right. I'm not saying don't put up anything. I'm just saying. So I, I, I have one more question on this. We we talked about the wage gap as we were planning this episode, and that's not something we're going to get into in depth here, but it's something that I'm sure our listeners are super aware of, that you're aware of. Recent data says women still only earn 82 cents for every dollar a man earns. Do you think that the mentality, white women, women, yeah, I mean, you're right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you think the mentality that a man is, should be financially responsible for these things, do do you think that that plays into the politics of of creating the wage gap do you know what i mean like if there's an i do i do if a man is expected to be the breadwinner right then shouldn't he make more money yes and folks this is not ryan saying he's no exactly exactly yes playing devil's advocate so don't come flooding my (laughs) (laughs) he's playing devil's advocate okay um wow Because there was a time, and there is still to some extent more in white households than in minority households, I'll I'll say. More. I didn't say there are none. I'm saying more in white households where women in different parts of America are still stay-at-home moms. You know, they'll have had careers, but once they have kids, it is decided that they'll be the ones to stay home. Uh, even when my husband made high six figures, I still worked. So I don't, I never felt like I had the luxury, but we also lived in New York mm. at the time. So yeah. that's a different way of whatever. Definitely. And I've, I'm, I've never been the woman who wanted to, to be the stay home. That's never been my like goal. Yeah. Um, I wanted to raise good people, but I didn't want to be a, a, a full time stay at home mom. Right. Um, so for me, I would say 
oh my God, you got me conflicted. I'm going to get the letters. That's I, was, why I, was I wanted to ask the, the letters. I might get the letters. I will say, <laughs> <laughs> I will say, if my husband is the only one working, hell yeah, I want him to make top dollar. Yeah. But I don't want it to be at the expense of a woman, you know, who might be divorced and have to do the same work as a man, right. but not get paid for what she's doing. I want that across the board because a lot of women who are in the, still in the workforce forever, whatever their reason and rationale is, you deserve to get paid for what you do. Yeah. Equal pay for equal work. I think we both agree equal with that. Equal pay but... for equal work. So I don't yeah. think I can, I have to, if I can pay him that much, I can pay her just as much. Right. I might have to um, lessen the feel like it's not going to be a million, you know, VPs or directors running around, but whoever is in that position is going to get what they deserve. And yeah. that's what I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, you know, and that's why I wanted to ask the question because I do think like part of what's so interesting about this conversation in general to me is that there's nuance there, right? Like it is nice if you go out on a first date with a man that he would pay for everything and, 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 you know, treat you like you're saying, but uh, you know, I, I, that was just something that came to me as, as we were talking, like, does that sort of, you, you know, the meme that's like the dominoes and it's like starts with a small domino and it builds up to like a giant one. And it's like a, always meant to be like a cause and effect yeah, yeah, type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I'm thinking like, you know, man expected to pay on the first date is the small domino. And then that like, ladders up to politicians continue to justify the wage cap. Right, know, right, like, right. So right, it's just right. like, yeah, I, it's just an interesting thing to think basing, about. Yeah, but they're basing it on, like, they're saying that it's okay to take from Peter to pay Paul. And it's not, I'm sorry, yeah. like from Pauline to pay Peter. And it's <laughs> right. not, it's not yeah. all right to, yeah. to do that. It's not, it's not fair. If my brain power, if I earn, if I take care of, if I handle, I should be paid just what someone else is being paid. I mean, they've, there's always been a fight against uh, Shakisha. Okay. You got to say it. There's always been something against what the white patriarchy wants. And the arguments have been made for why we're going to enslave this race, why we're going to take the land from this one, mm -hmm. why women shouldn't have this, why black women shouldn't have this, why black men shouldn't. Oh, yeah. There's always a reason in a box. There's yeah. always a reason in a box. So if I I'm, you know, if I'm if I'm playing the serpent talking to Eve, I can make a a, a I can make someone believe that it's okay. I it's love it. I think you just shut me down entirely with that. So good answer. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, the next item on our list is gendered products. And what I mean here is like, you've got like the regular Bic razor and then you've got the lady Bic. So like the regular Bic is assumed to be the male version. And I swear to you, I had no idea that we were going to have this sort of 90s motif going on throughout this episode. I swear to you, this was on my notes Thursday. It's Saturday. So no inkling that this going to be part of the conversation. It. But the thing that I think of is deodorant commercials from the 90s. And the reason why is because I always think of the, ta the tagline that was at the end of all these women's deodorant commercials. It always went strong enough for a man but 
pH balanced for a woman. Do you remember that? What the what the fuck was that about? <laughs> the hell does that mean? That women are funkier than men, or not? I, no, that men are funkier than women because it's saying strong enough for like the man stink is just so unbearable compared to the women's, but we've made the women's deodorant that can handle that. So surely if it can handle the man stink, it's got you on lockdown. Like that is the messaging, right? But pH balance for advertising, listen, advertising only reinforces what the the gender roles that have been assigned. I enjoy being in New York for uh, well in the tri-state so i live in jersey but mm-hmm. i enjoy being up north for one very great reason there was a <laughs> there was a commercial for a for um was it period um we call it like um te- uh maxi it wasn't maxi pads but it was period pads mm-hmm. and in the in the thing the woman goes yeah some days i have heavy flow that's right <laughs> i said it or you'll see like a, a commercial for like MasterCard and it's two yeah. women, you know, on a day having ramen together, holding hands, laughing, flirting. Like I feel like in the north, and I'm and I'm saying the north because I lived in Georgia and yeah. some commercials don't make it right into certain markets. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure like Callie might get some of those kind of cross-gendered. Or um, even uh, there was like a Cheerios commercial and the family was um, biracial. The light, the, the daughter was very fair skin. Gotcha. Um, and it was just like a whole that they happened during Super Bowl one year. It was like a whole thing about this interracial family. Like it was like a topic of conversation. So I feel like, you know, advertisers and advertising agencies have bought into what they're um, their clients want, which is these gender roles identified. I was at Target recently mm-hmm. and there were re- these really cool razors and they had like these little retro flowers on it. 18 bucks for two. Wow. Two razors. All it had the five blades with the little smooth head that when you roll it across your, your, your leg or whatever, it gives you like that nice smoothness and the five blades really catch all the hair. Yeah. Um, but $20 for two, does it come with the guy who shaves me? Like, what's up with that? You just reminded me of something. So when I was younger, uh, when I was like playing in a band and touring and stuff, so like late teens, early 20s, when I was not on the road, my other job was working at a famous footwear, a shoe store. And one of the things that was just known if, if you've ever worked in a shoe store, you, you probably have come across this as well, is that women's shoes are more expensive than men's shoes. And yes. the reason why, you know, I remember talking to my manager about it and like not really thinking anything of it. Like, I'm not saying I was some like super feminist when I was 19 years old. Like, I was just kind of like, well, why is this? Like, why are they so much more you expensive? Were. And he's, <laughs> I was, I was, uh, not, maybe not at, you know, the butterfly in the womb I, or in the uh, cocoon. I hadn't, <laughs> hadn't spread my wings yet, but I was, I was on the path, but, um, you know, so I asked my manager, I'm like, why, why is this? Like, why are women's shoes so much more expensive? And he goes, well, because, uh, or no, I'm sorry. It's the other way around. Women's shoes are less expensive than men's shoes. And the reason why, and that, I think that's why I was complaining. I was like, why do I have to pay this much when women's sneakers are like this? And he said, well, women's shoes are less expensive because women buy more shoes. And I was like, what? Mm. Like, you know, and, I, and then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Women buy more shoes. Of course. Like, duh. 
but you're like that. So like, that's how they set up the pricing for shoes. The, the expectation that women are going to buy more so we can charge them less. Cause we know we're going to get more money from them mm-hmm. overall because they're going to buy five pairs where a man buys one. Like I like <laughs> shoes. So like, does that mean that like I'm feminine now because I like to have a lot of shoes? Like it's just, it's a weird well, it's a weird also, hand. It's like, a weird I hand. I feel like there's a, also a, a fat tax. I'm a plus size woman. Mm. And I feel like if I go to a store, I don't find a lot of things on sale because generally they make less. My size runs out faster. Um, and if I don't buy it, when I see it, it it's just it's just done. So, and, and, and let's not even talk about the fact that so many of, uh, so many clothing realtors don't even sell yeah sizes above 12 mm-hmm. um for 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 right. in, in, in fashion and stuff so so let's just get into all of that by the way the pink tax is real oh yeah it if you're is, unfamiliar the pink tax is uh the the extra money that women have to pay to get um products for uh managing their menstruation and all of this so like pads or tampons or those types of things there's or even a, like what i just talked about with the razors like right razors I mean, like if, yeah if i go and get the blue ones the blue ugly you know the blue ugly ones that the men's it's the same fucking razor it's, it's just blue thing. it's seven dollars but because you threw Ridiculous. a flower on it i'm gonna pay 19.99 no yeah yeah, yeah totally that's y'all. so uh a couple more and then and then we'll uh wrap up our list this yeah. one into, I think it's interesting because we're both writers, right? We both have a writing background. And uh, what I initially started thinking about is, as you know, Shakisha, I've been learning Spanish now for a few years. Um, and Spanish is obviously super rooted in gender. And and, that, and a lot of the rules are, you know, objects are masculine or feminine. And, and grammar is built all around whether an object's gender is feminine or masculine and, and all these things. Um, but of course, you don't even have to look at Spanish to find other instances of this. And the one that I thought of is in the English language. There are the the man is always sort of the um, you know the standard. So it's like you refer to mankind, or you know, uh, just like man in general can refer to all people. Uh, fireman, policeman, postman, like male is sort of the standard for language, and you. Know, when I was, so I went to school for, for English. So I like had, uh, you know, extensive courses on grammar and it was always drilled into us that this was how you were supposed to write. These were the rules and that's just how it is. Or like a good example also is in Spanish. If you're referring to a group, it could be 11 women and one man, but if there is one man in that group, now the entire group is, is masculine. So like if I were referring to myself and, 11 other women, and I would say no sotros versus no sotras because I'm a man and so I'm in it. So now we're all gendered ma- masculine. So yeah, I don't know. What, what do you, do you, is um, that something? It, it, it just goes back to um, for a lot, for a very long time, men controlled, as we know, not only language and wars and the power structures, but obviously um, how we view our, I mean, even now I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I tried to incorporate a broader, like there's this thing we go, Hey guys. And for a mm. lot of, for, there are a lot of people who are struggling to get away from those identities. Yeah. 
So am I being fair to someone who's trans or someone who's non-binary if I say, hey, guys, yeah. or uh, like don't respect the they pronoun? So it's even bigger now than just oh, men yeah. and women. It's like, am, how do I become a human that is respectful of people's identities and, and inclusive of that? Yeah, um, that's a so, good point. Yeah, so mankind, if we're if we're gonna get tech, because I know there's someone out there, it's like it's 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 a it's a portion of the word human, which is the Latin word for I know, I know what you're saying, but what we're saying is that the the male identified that we're identifying all species of of humanity under the umbrella of of man is that. Is that a fair assessment? And how do we unpack that? How do we, you know, globalize it and make it more de- de- democratized yeah. outside of it just being a man thing? Yeah. How do we democratize our language in, in, in groups and inclusivity? Yeah, I would say like if someone came with that response, well, mankind, you know, man is part of the word human. I I, I think the, the easy response is, well, then why not just say humankind? You know, like, why isn't that the the standard? And uh, hey, guys, that is one that I myself have struggled with immensely because that's, um, that's, that's a phrase I go to a lot. And the, the word that I've been interested in and have been trying to incorporate more is folks, uh, you know, that and um, and obviously there's the uh, especially in conversations about inclusive language and transgendered individual transgender individuals and all that. Um, folks, uh, F-O-L-X is the accepted saying now, and that incorporates everyone, supposedly, you know, whether you're a man, woman, non-binary, all of those things are included in folks. Um, But there's an interesting conversation about, like, people using folks, but not using that spelling, and how that means, like, oh, they're not really, like, as progressive as they're purporting to be. And, you know, you know, the conversations that happen around all this stuff online. So that's just been a a part of the debate around language in general. But again, there's clearly a root in misogyny here and patriarchy and all those things. And, um, you know, I I think it's funny because like growing up and stuff, you hear, oh, well, you know, words can't hurt anyone. Words are, are nothing. But words actually really do matter. And that has been a, a big part of the general conversation that's been happening over the last five, 10 years is like, Absolutely. no, actually like sticks and stones may break bones, but words can be hurtful too. And and the words that you use are important because they can sometimes mean more than you intend them to, or have a deeper meaning than maybe you realize. So wow. yeah, always yeah. good conversation to have. One more on our list and then We'll, uh, we'll call it on the, if that's not tradition, it's misogyny rundown here. Uh, this one was one that um, I had several conversations about when the movie came out. So uh, I just generally the examination of like how women dress in movies from a feminist standpoint or, you know, what their outfits are like and stuff. And sometimes it, it can be well-meaning. And, and what I mean by that is the example that I think of is Jessica Chastain's character in the new Jurassic Parks that came out, the ones with um, Chris What's-His-Face from Parks and Rec. And, yeah. Uh, so Jessica Chastain's character in that movie, she's like the um, theme park executive. She's like the CEO of Jurassic Park or whatever it is. And she was criticized in that movie for wearing high heels throughout. You know, she's running around, running from dinosaurs, and she's in these like stiletto heels. 
And the thing that she said was like, well, I was playing a theme park executive and that's how a theme park executive would, would dress. And it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't the director asking me to do this or anything. It was a choice that she had made yeah, because she thought that that is what her character would do. But, and so a lot of well-meaning people are bringing up like, why is she in heels? You know, why wouldn't she wear something more comfortable? All this, all that. And they're well-meaning, like I said, but, the thing that the conversation that I had with a lot of people that was eye-opening for me was you never would have this conversation about a man's character. There's never a conversation about the way a man dresses in a movie, whether that was appropriate for a man or would a man really do that and all and all these things. So why is there the need to examine women's clothing in cinema to this degree when you wouldn't do the same for, for a male actor? Um Wow. So just, I'm, I'm just going to hone in because that whole, that's a whole other conversation that I'd love to dig into separately. But if we're just talking about this particular example, there are a lot of things that women are held to in popular culture that men are not. Yeah. When you consider those, like the, the, the rags that like the gossip magazines and they have women like who wore it best or the shots of women on the beach, like, you know, just out and about living their life. And it'd be like, so-and-so, you know, look at her without her makeup on, like almost to embarrass Mm -hmm. the person. Um, They'll show like their red carpet look and then they'll say, she's just like you. And it'll be a like real unflattering photo of the person just kind of looking or pointing at their kid, like looking really (laughs) weird. And, but, women have bought into that yeah that whole idea of you know being what like I okay so personally I have a struggle like I told I I think you and I've talked my teeth shifted right Mm -hmm. and I'm like more and more thinking about the look of a mouth (laughs) like I'm like so like in tune and on tv like everyone has these perfect amazing sets of teeth and I'm just like oh my god I'm so in tune so what happens is a lot of these you know marketers magazine uh folks the people who make these things for us need us to have these self-consciousnesses so they use women to kind of talk about it and I'm not saying that the person or anyone who wrote about what the character, I mean, uh, Jessica Chastain's role, you know, some people just have something to say. Some people just got to have something to write about to submit to their editor. So fine. But I really feel like, no, women are held to a different standard Mm -hmm. in that respect than men are, um, what they look like. I mean, Steve Buscemi's teeth is, uh, I I would love to have him, so I'm not going to say anything, but he knows the state of his, his, his teeth. So love you, Steve. You are an amazing actor. I watched every almost everything that you've been in, including the Adam Sandler things. And not one person has ever, not one person has ever said, no, nah, I'm not going to hire Steve Bush. Maybe yeah. back in the day before yeah, really. he was like the man, probably. Right. Yeah. Um, but like he still gets his money and it doesn't, you know, it's not a bothersome thing. So I don't know. I don't know. But I, I will say this. Um, particularly in music, women are way more, well, hip hop. No, I'm not going to blame hip hop because it's across the board. In music, women are highly sexualized. Yeah. 
and it's come to a like a fever pitch right now. I feel like it's at its. I don't have I don't have a problem with a woman showing anything of hers. Mm-hmm. That's not, and I don't expect my children to be raised by television or these figures. So I'm not that parent. Like, oh, you're ruining. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying this person has talent, obviously, but the way to sell records and the way to receive public attention is to show your body. I love it when you see like a Megan Thee Stallion in like a Vanity Fair and she's pared down a little bit and it's not necessarily about, you know, her booty cheeks clapping. I love Megan and I love the fact that she's a a Black girl who I grew grew up with. She looks like the women that I knew in my life. Beautiful, smart, determined. She's been through so much. I think those are the things that like bring me to her story more than the other stuff. But there is a thing that if you don't look, if you don't have the the hourglass like Megan, maybe you need to go check that out. Maybe you need to go sit on a, a table that uh, yeah. do- a doctor's table. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's a lot of thoughts, a lot of feelings. That's why I shouldn't have brought it up. That's a whole episode. I should. <laughs> we'll, we'll mark it down and do one. Uh, yeah, I okay. mean. I think what you're saying though is, is absolutely the truth. And um, you know, with the Jessica Chastain thing, it was really uh, a lot of feminists coming out and and making these sort of criticisms. And, you know, it was just an interesting conversation starter because it, it was initially like, well, you know, sort of coming from a a place of like women aren't being treated. Right. But then there was this other side that sort of pushed back and was like, well, you didn't even think about that with Chris Pratt, by the way, was the guy who started dressing. Who, who uh, has been out of his shirt more times than not. Yeah. So it's like, why are you looking at women through this lens when you wouldn't ever think about looking at men through this lens? You know, because um, we've done it for so long and we don't even think about it anymore. We, we, we're we so our minds are so geared to it that we don't even stop and go, wait a minute, what am I doing? And maybe even talk about that. Maybe talk about the fact that that was a thought that you had. That was what you came up with and then go, wait, but why am I? Like deconstructing your viewpoints. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to do that because as you and I have mentioned many, 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 many times over our 20 plus episodes, it's hard to get people to unbelieve or to you know, get out of their belief system. It's really difficult, even when it comes to something that's as detrimental as sexism. Yeah, that's why you got to examine those hams, baby. That's a wrap on another episode of SATWB. Thank you so much, dear listener, for spending some time with us. Ms. Shakisha, you were just telling me I should cut the Meg the Stallion stuff. I thought it was good. What What, what is the discomfort here? I want to come off like an old fogey, like, you youngins today, you're always <laughs> with the show in your bodies. No, it's not that. It's honestly um, just a viewpoint that I have about how much more we are than our bodies, how much more talented yeah. these women that I see and love, by the way, are than their bodies. And somehow we're always reduced to just our physical. I think that that's 100% fair. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Meg the Stallion, like she is absolutely stunning. So like to your point about uh, her being sexualized and stuff like, you know, I, I see why she uses her body the way that she does. And, you know, as a, as a straight man, it, it certainly works for me, but I think you're right that we should remember, A, that she's a fully formed person. She's not just this, yeah. you know, 
flesh that's this beautiful flesh and uh yeah she's super talented like she's done a lot of really good songs so you know like let's give her her due as an artist as well because that doesn't as someone who who makes music it's not easy guys it's it's a lot of hard work to get to that level to get to that point and and she clearly has done it so uh more power to her i think before we get out of here let me give a shout out to our guy berberak the man behind our theme music you can find more of his music at brbrck.com. And I do have to say this, it's gonna be a little embarrassing for me, but somebody asked me recently if Burbs does all the music on our show. And I, I just have to clarify that he wrote the theme music uh, for the for the show. It's a song of his called Boom Bap, but everything else you hear musically, well, uh, I actually did that. So I had to give myself a, a little bit. Someone was like, oh, Mike did all the music. And I was like, well, not all the music. So I guess I should clarify that. I, I do produce some of the music myself as well. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a little red in the cheeks now, but I did have to say something. <laughs> Someone mentioned it and I was like, I should address that. Please. Yes. So a quick reminder for you listener that if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to address on the show, you can always send it our way at shakishaandthewhiteboy at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and talk about what you want to hear about, to be honest. So you're still listening. You obviously very much like the show. So please like and subscribe where you can and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And we've got the YouTube channel. This episode's going to be up there. We're looking good. I, uh, I've i been happy with the, with the YouTube episode so far. So please check them out. And I think with that, we can hit them with the old DJ Khaled. Another one. We are done. Until next time. Peace.